The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 21. This week's episode is brought to you by Mercury and the Murd, Volume 1, Collateral Damages. Collecting the first six issues of the small press internet comic sensation, this book is the perfect jump on for all readers who must know how Mercury and the Murd became to be the best buddy cop comedy team since Starsky and Hutch. Read their adventures as they battle crime throughout the seedy streets of Dayton, Ohio, while taking on ninjas, apes, cosplay patrons, evil business tycoons, and so much more. 136 pages of black and white excitement for $9.09, available at heroescorner.com and dcbservice.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. This week's episode, Donnie Salvo returns to the PKD Black Box as we attempt to discuss some comics that we've been reading, only to uh, fall short (laughs) on that uh, attempt as we wax nostalgic instead. But trust me, you'll have a good time. Plenty of laughs uh, (laughs) in this episode, so I really hope you dig it. But before we do that, I have a couple of things that I want to talk to you about. And remember, uh, PKD Media's uh, Mercury and the Murd Volume 1 Collateral Damages is on sale right now at dcbservice.com and heroescorner.com. You can go to pkdmedia.com for more details on that, or you can go to dcbservice.com or heroescorner.com and check it out. 136 pages of buddy cop action for only 9 bucks. Now, that music that you just heard a moment ago kind of sounded like some Wu-Tang, didn't it? Well, it is Wu-Tang, and it isn't Wu-Tang. Let me explain. The music comes from the album Enter the 37th Chamber by L. Michelle's Affair. L. Michelle's Affair is actually a band that's composed of Leon Michaels and a bunch of other talented people. And what this album does is it provides instrumental versions of some of, you know, possibly your favorite Wu-Tang Clan or Wu-Tang Clan solo songs. Uh, they do their instrumental interpretations of Mystery of Chess Boxing, uh, Can It All Be So Simple, Cream, uh, Ghostface Killer, Cherche La Ghost. Um, let's see here. Also, uh, Bring the Ruckus, uh, Protect Your Neck, Raekwon's Incarcerated Scarfaces, ODB's Shimmy Shimmy Ya, and so forth and so forth. 15 tracks in all. This is a fantastic album. Uh, I got to give props props to uh, Jim Miller, a.k.a. Big Jim, for getting me hooked onto this album. It's just fantastic. You can peep it on iTunes if you want to like listen to some samples. Listening to this album is like listening to or or just let me let me let me change that. Imagine if you were sitting in a movie theater in the 70s and it was just nothing but a kung fu marathon. That is what this album is. The music is great. Listening to, you know, Cream or Incarcerated Scarfaces or especially Duel of the Iron Mike it's just, it takes me back. I mean, it's not just Wu-Tang. It's, 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 it, these are the songs that help make Wu-Tang what they are, but what where those songs actually came from, where the music actually came from, is also important, too. So you really need to hear these ensembles and hear the horns and just hear the beats. It, it is just instrumental precision at its finest. As a matter of fact, it says here on the iTunes review that uh, the group, El Michel's Affair, the group's talent and their affection 
for the forbidding soul loops of Wu-Tang producer, the RZA, won them a spot supporting the Wu-Tang Clan on their 2007 American tour. Enter the 37th Chamber is something of a document of the group's collaboration with the Clan. Though no Clan members are featured, Hell Michelle's Affairs instrumental renditions of classic Wu material like Cream, Raekwon's Glaciers of Ice, and LDB's Shimmy Shimmy Ya combine the powerful horn charts of large-scale funk ensembles. Trust me when I say that this is a fantastic fantastic album to listen to i can't recommend it high enough 15 tracks for 9.99 so if you like wu-tang clan and if you really like instrumentals you really need to take a listen to this and buy this because trust me it's worth it As I'm sure some of you know by now, Conan O'Brien is returning to late night television. Now, it's not going to be on a regular network. He will be um, doing his late night thing on TBS uh, this fall. Now, I know people are wondering or possibly upset that he's not going to Fox. But if you really think about it, there is some reasoning behind that. Um, Now, granted, take the New York Post's words (laughs) for what you will. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's false. But according to the New York Post, it was said that the only one of the main reasons why Conan O'Brien did not take the spot with Fox was due to the fact that one third of the Fox affiliates refused, utterly refused to um, allow Fox to air the program at 11 at 11 o'clock from 11 to midnight. Reason why is some of these affiliates, um, you know, they order packages that like, say, for instance, The Simpsons, Family Guy, a Cheers, Seinfeld. And in these packages, you know, they order these packages and they make a good amount of money airing these, you know, repeated syndicated shows. They make a lot of money off the ad revenue. Some of these um, networks may have possibly been scared to put a show like Conan O'Brien on or only one third of these affiliates. Affiliates are probably scared because maybe they thought they wouldn't pull in the money um, that they were making off of playing a Seinfeld rerun, which I think is foolish, but that's their opinion. That's their take. So if you don't have 100% of your affiliates committed to the show or committed to airing the show, what's the purpose of even having the show? It just doesn't work. So on that note, he takes the, he takes the deal with TBS. Uh, George Lopez will eventually move to the midnight spot with Conan O'Brien on an 11. And it was supposedly George Lopez's idea, you know, to have Conan come to TBS. So, you know, good on George. Good for him. Now, for those people that think that a lot of that um, Conan won't get the amount of viewers that he needs or that um, or that the Daily Show and the Stephen and Stephen Colbert will not Conan out the loop. Let me break it down for you like this. TBS is on every single basic cable tier in America. Period. They're on every single basic cable tier. Comedy Central is not on every basic cable tier. So there are going to be some parts of the country where Conan O'Brien doesn't have to worry about competing with with The Daily Show and competing with Stephen Colbert because a lot of people who have cable just have basic cable. We don't have, you know, some people don't have all the gajillion channels. Some people just have the basics. So he's not really competing with Comedy Central in that in that aspect. Now, for those that do have extended cable or or have cable that has Comedy Central, that's a different story. But you have to look at it like that. I mean, I know cable has grown and it's become massive and it's just become this behemoth that we can't control. But there are still levels of cable. And saying, and with that being said, 
His move to TBS is actually a smart move. And also, he doesn't have to acquire or have the number of viewers that he would have to have like on a regular network like a CBS, ABC, NBC, or Fox. He can have a lower amount of viewers and still be fine. The show will still be profitable because the way the cable market works is different than standard network television. So I really wish Conan well. I hope the show does well. TBS has signed Conan for 68 episodes, so he will be on for a while. The only thing I ask is that if you're a Conan fan, watch him this time. The last thing that I want to talk to you about before we get to the meat of today's show is a webcomic called Sin Tatulo by Cameron Stewart. It's, um, you can find it at www.sintitulocomic.com, and that's Sintitulo spelled S-I-N-T-I-T-U-L-O. This is a fantastic webcomic. I started reading it actually a few days ago at work <laughs> during my lunch break, and I just kept reading and reading and reading, and before I knew it, I, I was like a half hour in and just like really entranced by it. Um, I actually didn't get any work done. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, what the webcomic is about, it's about a gentleman named Mr. McKay, a guy probably in his 20s, has a run-of-the-mill job, um, has uh, relationship issues and whatnot, and his grandfather has been dead for a month, and he had no idea that um, his grandfather had passed, so he goes to the retirement home uh, to, see his, to uh, collect the grandfather's belongings, and once he does that, his world is opened up to mystery, science fiction, all types of strange things, a, mysteri a mysterious woman wearing uh, dark sunglasses. Words cannot explain this webcomic enough. Um, it is deep. It is beautiful to look at. Cameron Stewart's uses of shading and toning in this, we this webcomic are just wonderful. Um, also, what's great about this comic is, is that every page of this webcomic or comic is eight, is eight panels. And in these eight panels, they are so descriptive, thorough, detailed, emotional. They're absolutely wonderful. This is a brilliant story. I cannot wait to see this book in print when it's when, you know, when he has enough strips to, compi to, you know, to, uh, com to compile a printed book because this book is fantastic. Um, I would have this on my shelf in a heartbeat. Once again, words cannot explain the mystery and the depth of this webcomic. You have to read it yourself because some of the things that Mr. McKay gets himself into are just beyond bizarre, but it is fantastic. Once again, Sin Tatulo by Cameron Stewart at www.sintatulocomic.com. I'll have the show notes posted on our website and on our podcast site. So by all means, you must check out this webcomic because it's one of a kind and I think it's fantastic. I have books, man, I don't even remember. And I'm sitting there like, this this was at an actual comic book company? I have Doorman number one. Doorman? That's right. Look it up. What in the world is Doorman? Look it up. All right, I'm I'm pulling up uh, Go ahead. Book TV right now. That's right. Don't do um, what was it Great Lake Avengers Doorman? No, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Ah, Doorman. Family Secrets. Caliber Comics. Is huh. it? Is it the 90s? 
Uh, yeah, it was the 90s. Yeah, that's, that's it. The title exists, but there is no <laughs> image of the book. It just says that it exists. That's, that's well, the, it. I think the cover was just black. It says no, no covers can be found. It, well, I know my book has a cover. Oh, I know, but nobody's taking the time. <laughs> nobody's taking the time to scan their copy of Doorman <laughs> to put on Comic Book DB. You know that's because there was two copies that were sold: one to me and one to Vince B from Eleven O'Clock Comics. That's really <laughs> wow, Caliber. That's a label I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. I, See I, stuff like that, man. Kamiko Comics. Ooh, Kamiko. I think so. Yeah. You, you uh, might be able to help me finish my Star Blazers run. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I got to go through it, dude. I mean, you saw the pictures. Oh no, I saw. I saw the pictures. I thought you had like a shop upstairs that you weren't telling nobody about. There were so many boxes up there. Well, see, that was the, that was the plan. I was gonna actually open up a shop, and that's why, like, when people would move, they would donate their comic book collections to me. Like I was telling you the other day, I don't like Superman. Okay, there I said it. All right, I don't. When he's part of a team, he's cool. When he shows up every once in a while, all right, I like it. But as far as buying a monthly book, no, I don't like it. I have a box and a half of Superman comics. Box and a half, a long box and a half, not a little box, a long box and a half. Raf Suhu will buy that whole box and a half from you. For for those who don't know, Raf Suhu is the host of the Geeks Unite Network. It's a podcast network that has various podcasts from comic books, pop culture, sports, and right now they're doing all types of crazy stuff. Like they got a podcast about who watches the Who, which is Doctor Who. That is. So, right. um, but he loves some Superman. If you ever see him in New York, go to Midtown Comics. He works at one of the Midtown Comics in New York. Just tell him that Sean said what's up. But please, whatever you do, never ever talk to him about the Superman Returns movie. Better yet, just don't even talk to me about it. That that that, that, that just makes it easier on me. So um, someone needs to be punched in the face for that. Right. <laughs> I have a theory, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. Okay. I like theories. Is it a hypothesis, or have you worked it out to a complete theory? I've worked worked it out to a complete theory. I think that the Defenders book, you remember the Defenders from Marvel, uh, started in 72. I think it ended like after, right after Secret Wars 2 ended. That's when uh, the book ended. In like the mid to late eighties, yes, sir. I love that book. Check it. When I'm, the Defenders book, starting in October of November of eighty three, actually sold real well. That series sold well right before like the last five or six issues. You know, that's when the or actually the last eight issues it started to tail off. So like we're going to cancel the book. But before yeah. that, nobody expected the Defenders to last as long as it did, especially when the team changed in in uh, late eighty three. Yeah, when they made it like a solid team. Like, it used to be, uh, you didn't know who it was. Like, there was like four people that were kind of a mainstay. It was like Hellcat, Son of Satan, a couple other people. And then uh, they, it could have been anybody. Like, Hank Pym was a member for like an issue. You know what I mean? Like, if you look through their members list, it's everybody in the Marvel Universe from 1970, whatever, to, uh, what was it, 85 it got canceled? 86. It got canceled in 86. Oh, year, year off. It got canceled in 86. But the thing is, you know, the core of the team was Strange, Surfer, Namor, and, Hulk, and, and the Hulk. That was the original team. 
Oh, that was, yeah. And that was the original team. And then Valkyrie came on later. But it was in no October, November of 83 that the major change happened. And at this period of time, people thought this book was just going to tank. And it became, a, it became a mild hit. The defenders of this period of time were the Bell Biv DeVoe of comics. Hell yeah. You know, so I'm serious. They were the Bell Biv DeVoe of comics because me being a big New Edition fan, when New Edition split up and Bell Biv DeVoe said, we're going to form a group. As a kid, I was like, this is going to be the worst thing in the history of music. Two of the dudes can't sing, and I really don't know if Ricky can sing that well to cover a whole album. Now, I'm, you know, I'm a young teen I'm, when, when this is going down with Bell Biv DeVoe. Then Poison dropped. I was she like, oh, these dudes. Drives me out of my mind. <laughs> and I was like, okay, these cats. Kiss are- her, hold her, love her. What is wrong with you, man? What is wrong? With you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you you mentioned it, man. It's not my fault. Okay, you know you true. started. I know, but it was a hit, and that out, whole album was a hit, and they were a success. Nobody expected that to happen. For a moment, they became bigger than New Edition, you know themselves. Yeah, t- and, time out. Okay. Time out. Time out. <laughs> what? I've never had anybody compare the Defenders to Bell Biv DeVoe. Oh, no, but I'm about to get deeper, though. Hear me I understand, no, but this is just like, you know, all right, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Making me laugh. All right, hear me out. But see, this is where it gets real crazy. Think about it, all right? You got when when the team changed up and you had the three main players, Angel, Beast, Iceman, but then you had Gargoyle, Valkyrie, and Moondragon. But your core core front runners were some ex-X-Men. Iceman, Beast, That's right. and Angel. Check and it. also Manslaughter. And Cloud later on. Cloud, right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, trust me. I know my defenders. Please believe. But see, this is the key, though. Iceman and Mike Bivens are one and the same. Iceman is cool. Mike Bivens is cool. Okay? That you have that. No, no, no. I take that back. No, Iceman is Ron DeVoe because that was the cool brother on the group, all right? That was the cool brother, and Iceman is the cool brother on the defenders, okay? So they line up. Angel slash Warren Worthington is Mike Bivens. He's the businessman because Mike Bivens was the businessman for for Bell Biv DeVoe, albeit not the greatest businessman in the world. The man had Biv 10 Records, which originally had Boys to Men, who then left. And then every every other thing that he tried afterwards was not a success. Angel slash Warren Worthington has also had financial problems, too. See, so they are one and the same. And then you got Beast and Ricky Bell. Beast is the glue that holds the group together. Ricky Bell is the person that held Bell Biv DeVoe together because he was the only dude that could sing in the group. The other two dudes just rap. It works. The Defenders were the Bell Biv DeVoe of their comics time. Think about it. Also look at it like this. You can say that X-Men was new addition. And then Angel, Iceman, and Beast said, we out. Oh, boy. It works. It works. Who's Bobby Brown? <laughs> oh, dude. Bobby Brown was Thunderbird. He just like disappeared. <laughs> He's dead. Bobby Brown ain't dead. He's on Celebrity <laughs> Fit Club. Oh, my bad. <laughs> the Defenders uh, had one of my favorite all-time issues ever in comics, dude. Ever. And that is <laughs> Defenders number 131. The title of this is If This Be Walrus. Wait a minute. I remember, you remember that this? issue. Because <laughs> that was actually that was the first Defenders book I bought. Because the front cover had Iceman, Beast, and Angel on the front cover looking up, and there's like this uh, big shadow o- over all three of them, and they're all looking yes. like, what in the world is going on? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. That's a, uh, that was also during a period of time that uh, Sienkiewicz and Kupenberg were like alternating covers on the Defenders. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember yep. that. Yes, yes. I think it was actually, it's, 
Uh, this looks to be definitely like a Koopenberg cover, though. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. And that's where Beast goes to a university. Now, like I said, I'm doing this at the top of my head here. Um, he... He goes to, I think he does like a speech on, uh, I don't know, something to do with mutant uh, genetics or whatever. And Iceman went with him and Angel's hanging out with him. And all of a sudden he's attacked by a supervillain named the Walrus. <laughs> but who comes and helps him? That's the most important part of the issue. Man, it's been so long since I read that. I couldn't even tell you. Who was it? Frogman, a.k.a. the son of Leapfrog. <laughs> that is awful no 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 sir no no that is awesome <laughs> and once again this is why you read comics hell yeah i even got the other appearance of frogman around the same time it was an amazing spider-man i think it was amazing yeah amazing spider-man issue and he, he uh uh, Frogman joins forces with the Spectacular Spider Kid. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, I remember the Spectacular Spider Kid, yes. He lasted all of, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But he was a fat kid who lived in his mother's basement who had a Spider-Man cosplay costume, and somehow he got a hold of Dr. Octopus's arms. Uh, like, he made his own Dr. Octopus's arms. You, and then you know, Peter, you know Peter David wrote that, right? Did he? Yep. Now I got to look that up now. I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. You go to Comic Book DB right now. I'm on it right now. I got to look. Peter David wrote that. It was it, it was issue 266. Jump for my love or spring is in the air. They this title consisted of a Pointer Sister song and another song. <laughs> Wait, now I got to look it up. According to Comic Book DB, he also participated along with Spider Kid and the Toad. In a short-lived... That's who it was, the Toad, because the Toad was a good guy for a little while. In a short-lived super team called the Misfits. Right. Um, you know what's really messed up about this? Because it's, it's just comics, so it's making... Nothing? No, no, there's nothing wrong with it, but... Okay. Right. You know, I live in Kentucky, okay? I live in Kentucky. This is where the home base is. And it says here, according to Comic Book DB, Eugene Patil uh, Patilio, a.k.a. the Frogman was later recruited by the government as part of the 50-state initiative program when Marvel was doing the initiative as a member of the Kentucky-based team Action Pack. That is fucking hilarious. Dude, you got... That's awesome. You got Leapfrog, dude. That is not Frog awesome. That, you know, that is awesome, dude. <laughs> I don't even know who Connecticut got. How do we find that? <laughs> I have no idea. See, this is the one thing I love about Comic Book DB. There is somebody... That took the time out to not only write a bio on Frogman, but list his powers, his origin, his first appearance, all of his issue appearances, and all of his group affiliation. I don't know whether that's a good thing or bad thing. Going back to the to the Defenders, then they just kind of just ended them very quickly. I think it was like issue 152 or 153. Yeah, it was, it was odd because it, the way it ended... They wrapped it up in a Secret Wars 2 tie-in, issue 152, to end all songs, because I want to say it was during that time in the book that essentially what happened was, I think, like, was Manslaughter going crazy? And and even to this day, when Cloud was on the team, nobody really knew what Cloud did. And they also had... Uh, a couple other a couple other characters joined the team like joined the team toward the end too i think like andromeda and some yeah, other stuff yeah she was an atlantean right yeah and yeah. it was just bizarre and also there's another thing too name a character manslaughter nowadays that will not happen 
Because also remember, for a while, Angel was blind, too. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. And didn't uh, Candy Southern, she try to be a superhero, too, his girlfriend? Yeah. And she just wore, like, some hooker stripper outfit. Yeah, pretty much. No mask or nothing. Yeah. She just had like fishnets and a and a and a and a two piece bikini or something like that. Yeah, that was kind of big in the in the mid in the mid eighties though. So, uh, but here to see here's the synopsis for the uh, for 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 the final issue. Moon Dragon cures Angel's blindness, as well as Carol and Denny Faber versus the Dragon of the Moon with Manslaughter and Interloper. And then something weird happened to Gargoyle, but then Gargoyle was cured after the end of the issue. It was just strange. Yeah, it was just too much going on. It was a lot going on, and see, and, and from what I can tell, the last few issues were not written by uh, De Mateus. The last few issues was written by a gentleman by the name of Peter B. Gillis. Now, I had an assortment of pencilers. You had Luke McDonald, Don Perlin. Actually, Gillis wrote this book. Wow, he wrote it for a long time. The issue before that was called Second Degree Manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, is that that issue, the If This Be War, uh, War, uh, War, I cannot say Walrus. There we go. Walrus issue. That was the last issue De Mateus wrote, and he co-wrote it with Peter B. Gillis. And then Peter B. Gillis took over the book from 132 to 152. So Gillis wrote the last 11, issues, last 20 issues. Yeah. Well, may I just say that um, if this be Walrus, happened to be one of the best comic book stories uh, ever written. And if it wasn't for the fact that the Defenders were the Bell Biv DeVoe of comics, experimenting and trying different things and mixing it up a bit, you would never got that. Marvel also had a comic book back in the late 70s, early 80s called The Champions with Ghost Rider, Angel, Iceman, Hercules, and Black Widow. And that book, I think, only lasted like 12 issues. 17. So 17? Okay. There was no way. You look at that team like, oh, this is kind of cool. This should be a, a really nice book. 17 issues. The Defenders was always a politely jumbled mess, and it lasted 152 issues. <laughs> Not including annuals. Right. Now, if that was today, oh, yeah, see, because people forget about the annuals because nowadays the big two or the big two only put out annuals when they either a, you know, when they have when they want to or if it's some type of additional crossover deal. But there's no way a book like The Defenders would even exist right now. I, I don't know. Did they ever trade the champions? Yes, they did. Uh, they 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 released it in trade format a couple years ago, two volumes. Yes, that's good stuff right there. Since we're talking hot mess defenders, we got to talk about the secret defenders. Oh, no, we don't. No, we yes, don't. we do. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> that book was horrible. <laughs> I am 50 cents, man. <laughs> They're all in mint condition. They even come with a free bag and board. No, but see, here's the problem with the secret defenders. The premise was cool. The execution was just flat out horrible. Nope. Listen to this team. You can't go wrong here. Okay. Ready? Ready. Arcane, which is Julia Carpenter, which was Spider-Woman 2. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. Uh, Luke Cage, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Darkhawk, Deathlock, Dr. Druid, Dr. Strange, Dreadlocks, Hello 1990s, Nomad, Shadow Woman, Sleepwalker, and Wolverine. This started the era where Wolverine had to be in everything. The thing about Secret Defenders, the way it was supposed to work, though, was that every issue was supposed to be a, a different secret team. Yeah, but it didn't work that way. No, it, no, it didn't. I remember I bought an issue. I found an issue in a quarter bin, 
It was issue 17. It was called On Borrowed Time. It had Druid, Doctor Strange, Luke Cage, Deadpool, and Shadow Woman. And I think a character called uh, Cadaver. This was the most... Awesome. No. No? No, it was not awesome. (laughs) Deadpool isn't written like Deadpool. So that kind because, you know, I'm used to reading the Deadpool that's out. Simone got a, Gail Simone got a hold of the character and really helped forge that character's personality. That was the Deadpool I wanted to read, and I didn't really get that. Oh, like the Agent X stuff? Yeah, 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 kind of like that. But it was such a bad issue, and the art was not, was not very good at all. And I was like, wow, I'm glad I did not invest in this, in this comic. We need to stop depressing the listeners. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get upbeat again. Now, there was something you wanted to talk about on this on this episode, though. There's- yes, well, there's one thing that I have to say. Okay. I went on iTunes today. There is no there is no Big Daddy Kane catalog on iTunes, man. And that shit, that shit made me sad. I have something even worse. I found my Big Daddy Kane Prince of Darkness CD today, uh, yesterday. You had it on CD? See, you had money back then. I had it on tape. No, I found it at Half Price Books in 07 for $3. Oh, oh, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. But guess what? I tried to pull the CD out yesterday, and it cracked in half. I'm hurt. I'm You're hurt. hurt. I was like, he's going to make me a copy. Yeah, I was going to make you a copy. I was, I was going. It was the whole. This whole episode was going to have nothing but, but Big Daddy Kane music all in it from the Prince of Darkness album. But now I have no CD iTunes doesn't have any Big Daddy Kane stuff because that's all out of print. He was you, on- you, you could buy Posse. I don't want the Posse on iTunes. No, not the soundtrack, the movie. <laughs> they don't even got the soundtrack. Oh, okay. I was about to say. Uh, Posse, I remember that. My mom took me to go see that at the movie theater. That's a damn good movie. Posse. I don't care what anybody says. Mar- yeah, man. Anytime Mario Van Peebles is in the lead, if it's not New Jack City, I get concerned. I did enjoy Posse. Had a fun time watching it. Who is it that you had? Stephen Baldwin. Yep. Big Mario. Daddy Kane played Father Time. Uh, Mario Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles. You had a uh, tiny Zeus Lester. L- yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Billy Zane. Right. Yeah. Billy Zane was the. Uh, yeah. He was. A, he was an asshole in that movie. Yeah. Oh uh, well, he pretty much plays that in every movie. But uh, who else? Uh, was it the kid from a different world? No, that wasn't Dwayne Wayne, sir. That wasn't Kadeem Hardison. It was somebody else. I know exactly who you're talking about, but it was not Kadeem Hardison. Wait, ha- wait. There was another rapper in that movie. Oh, Tone Loke. I thought so. All right, Tone Loke. That's Tone right. Loke. Yes, Tone Loke was in it. Yeah, because uh, he, 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 did, he didn't last that long in that movie. He was the crazy one that liked to get drunk, and he got shot. That movie was like young guns for black folks. I love it. That <laughs> movie was awesome. <laughs> I don't know where this episode is gone. I have no it idea. It doesn't. We have like nineteen. I have like nineteen comics to talk about, but we just went crazy. We went Defenders crazy, and now we're going Posse crazy. And Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane can't even get a picture on IMDb, man. What the <sighs> dude? If Melvin Van Peebles too, I forgot that. That's right, he played Papa Joe. Man, you know good. Damn well. Greer, you know good and well. You cannot have a Mario Van Peebles movie without a Melvin Van Peebles cameo. That's true. That's it. That's in Mario's contract, son. That's why um, Mario can't work anymore. Well, that because no, his wait. dad's old as shit, and they don't know what to do with him. Well, that and people still remember Sonny Spoon. No, they don't. They remember Soldier. You mean Solo? Solo. That's right, Solo. Yeah, I went to go wait, see. Wait, what was Soldier? Oh, Soldier was the same movie, but with Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. And, right, it was and, the same exact movie, right? Pretty much, yes. Except it yeah. was like it was like an outer space. On a, on a different planet far away. Both those movies were just hot garbage. 
Wow. You know what I'm going to do for you? For me? Yeah, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to go on a mission. You get me a copy on Posse, copy of Posse on Blu-ray. I'm not getting you a copy of Posse on Blu-ray. I'm going to find every single Big Daddy Kane CD. You will have the entire Big Daddy Kane collection. Give me a while, and I might even find songs that he showed up on, like Pay LaBelle's Feels Like Another One. Yeah, I ain't forgot about that. He was on oh, that remix. Wow. Yeah, I ain't forgot. But, ooh, oh, see, you don't get stuff like that anymore. Who would think, you know what, let's put Pay LaBelle and Big Daddy Kane together and do a song. See, That's right. You don't get stuff like that nowadays because you know the new rules of music. If you're over 30, there's a pretty good chance you're not getting on radio. I'm still shocked. <laughs> I'm still shocked to this day. Jay Z is on the radio because Jay Z is 40. But see, but now he's considered quote unquote safe in the general public. Five years ago, the general public still thought of him as a thug. But now he's a businessman. He's safe. I'm like, no, he was always a businessman. But your perception changed, not his. He's still the same guy. All the books I'm talking about tonight is DC. So Batgirl number seven, uh, written by Brian Q. Miller and pencils by Lee Garbett. Uh, I have to say, out of all the Bat books that came out, I really thought this was going to be the one I drop. This is good stuff right here, man. A lot of my friends that read Batgirl have been complaining about the book because they don't like the character that's playing Batgirl. Well, I mean, it's seven issues. We could say it. it it's the only logical choice. If, if if Cassie Kane wasn't going to do it anymore, it's the only logical choice, and it's it's uh, Stephanie Brown. The the um, wasn't her name spoiler? Yeah, the spoiler, right? And but the thing of it is, is she's working with Barbara Gordon, which it's kind of like you know. Um, I think as the story goes on, people are really going to appreciate this book. Like I said, man, I I thought it was going to be the one I was going to drop, and I'm not. How are the sequentials? Nice. Uh, this dude could draw. I mean, uh, like this issue here has um, guest starring Batman and, and Robin, Damien. He draws him like a 10-year-old boy. He looks just like my nephew, little ass body, big ass head. <laughs> so, you know, people complain about that. But I'm like, dude, if you sat next to a 10-year-old, they got a big ass head. It's not their fault. They didn't grow up in it. I mean, it's even got Dr. Phosphorus in it. She's fought. She's fought so far, Dr. Phosphorus. Uh, roulette and the scarecrow that's crazy that is crazy i mean those are those are some big guns for her character to uh to handle well that's the thing and you're you know she's she's in college so you're going through it her and damien the uh, dialogue between her and damien is fantastic and then at like towards the end of this they kind of have a little respect for each other you know it, it's it's pretty cool man i i don't know i dig it i like it but dc's killing me because now i don't know if you heard but they're bringing back birds of prey Yes, I heard about that. Props to Gail Simone for getting uh, B.O.P. back. Yeah, that was one of my favorite books. Uh, I think I got like almost 100 issues in a, in a, you know, a run of 100 issues. And uh, yeah, I thought, see, they said that uh, Gotham City Sirens, that was going to be your new, uh, what do you call it, book? Your new uh, your Birds of Prey. Pray. Yeah, now I got Gotham City Sirens and I'm going to have Birds of Prey. What are they doing to me, Sean? <laughs> they're making you pay. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're making you pay. The thing of it, I, I bitched so much when all these new Batman books came out, man, but, I mean, what am I going to say if they're all good, dude? I don't know what to tell you, homie. Right? I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I really don't. What can you say if they're all good? You can't bitch. You saw it was solicited, right? Star Wars Omnibus? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Star Wars Omnibus by Dark Horse. For those who did not uh, pick up the uh, original seven uh, volumes that Dark Horse uh, reprinted, the Marvel stuff that, that they reprinted a while ago, they're doing it again, but they're doing it in, omnib- in like a nice omnibus format as opposed to like the um, the regular size trade, which those are actually pretty big books. They're doing it in omnibus format, and this time, not only are you getting the entire Star Wars Marvel Marvel run, you're also going to get for the first time Return of the Jedi, stuff from Mar- Marvel Star Wars UK, and stuff from Droids and Ewoks, which here and by guarantees... I will buy every single one of these. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I I can't wait. And that stupid-ass green bunny man is right smack dab on the front cover. Good old Jackson. (laughs) I think he he was a work in progress for Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) You read him. I can't wait. I think the earliest issue of the Marvel run I think I have might be eight. Yeah, the rest of them are all in the 40s and 50s, and then I stopped. I didn't, you know, I think I got like... uh, I think I might have like 12 issues or so, 13 issues. So you ever read anything? Seriously. The only thing I've read, I've read, I've read, um, when I was on vacation, I read a couple of back issue books, back issue magazines. I read a couple of those and uh, learned a lot about um, Teen Titans, like, you know, the history of the Teen Titans books and the creative teams. Learned a little bit about Nova. Although I did read this great article in a back issue. It was, hold on one second, let me find it. It was either issue 33 or 30. That uh, gave the history of how the um, who's who in the DC Universe books were created. Oh, nice. And there's a new one coming out. You know that, too? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, the how they put this book together and how they were able to um, get it together is just amazing. Because they, they talked with uh, Len Wein. They talked with Marv Wolfman in this article. They also talked about how originally they came up with the concept first, but Marvel hurried up. And put in, and put some uh, Marvel Universe books together for the first time and put them out there. So when Who's Who came out, and I guess you know Marvel got mad, Wolfman and Ween were like, "Why y'all getting mad at us? Y'all y'all took that from us. We was coming out with it first, but we just you know we had to work on it for a while because what happened is is that they they paid somebody um, decent coin to do research on every single character in the DC universe." Yeah, I think didn't Mark Wade do a lot of that? Um, it wasn't Wade. They, the gentleman's listed in the article, but I'm sure Wade probably may have helped. But they also talked about how characters got selected for the book. You know, how many characters to include? Were you just going to include just mainstream DC characters? Because you know, the thing is, the Who's Who run also had the Watchmen, the Minutemen, oh, non DC universe characters. If you know what I right. mean, you know, non, you know, Earth, Earth A or Earth One or. Earth ABC, Belle Bill DeVoe, and, and BBD, or what all that stuff. They had, you know, they had everybody. Okay, every every single universe possible. And the main reason they made that book was for essentially like licensing purposes. Say, for instance, if um, Joe Schmo wanted to make some DC toys, they could go look at Who's Who, a collection of Who's Who comics, and say, "Ooh, that character could make a good toy," or "Ooh, that character can make a good cartoon." But it all—it was also, you know, big for for comics fans as well. I love the covers. The covers are fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. All the wraparounds. Yes. Yep. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Especially the the uh, Perez covers. And I remember there was one. You know that's right. Oh yeah. And there was one where <laughs> there was one cover after they finished their initial run. They had a couple of extra issues, like um, you know, that tied on the expanded expanded issues. And there was a cover by. And I, I really do not do not want to butcher this gentleman's name because actually he's he's one of my favorite artists and right now he's actually sick, of the time at the time of this recording, Eduardo 
Barreto. He did some Titans books um, for Marv Wolfman back in the day. I love this gentleman's artwork. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, okay, top of trying to think. He did, uh, was it the Azrael stuff, like for the Baxter run? I, I do not know. I just remember picking up his his comics. Anytime he did a comic, I would buy it. One of my favorite artists ever. And he did a um, expanded edition who's who cover. It had Wonder Woman on the front, and a bunch of other. He had like both. I think both Wonder like Wonder Woman of the the mainstream DC universe and like the uh, old school Wonder Woman. I just loved it. it. Who's who update? That's what those were called. Who's who update? Oh yeah, yeah, the ones that came out like eighty nine or. Yeah, um, 80, 87 and 88, yes. Well, I made a boo-boo. Um, oh, no, I was right. I was right. He did do the cover. It was a, wonder, it was a who's who update from 87, and it was Gray Man the Lion Mane. I, it, wasn't the, it wasn't Wonder Woman, but that was the Beretto cover I was thinking about because it has, that's right, it's got one of, the, one of the Lady Blackhawks. It's got Lady Blackhawk on the front cover along with Kilowog, Lady Shiva, Lex Luthor. Yeah, that was the cover. That that was the cover. Yeah, I, it's awesome. His name was Eduardo what? Barreto. Uh, yeah, he did do he did do the new Teen Titans. He he started doing it uh, like sixteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my dude. That dude was dope. Now another cool thing about that article though, as well, was they talked about getting artists to you know, do these um, you know images for the book, and how they reached out to all these artists, and they were all excited to, to do it. And I guess uh, they even did some stuff kind of like. Um, in, in like just like as industry joke where um, they called up Peter Laird to do because I guess in the Who's Who book there was a turtle character so they called up Peter Laird of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to do a character called like Turtle something <laughs> they did silly stuff like that and also uh, I think like Len Wayne may have, may have done a sketch or two because what had happened was was that um, or even Wolfman may have done a sketch as well, because what happened was was that they would tell these artists, hey, we need these by this date, and some artists would forget, or they would take forever to turn it in, and by the time they turned it in, the book was already depressed. So either Len Wayne or Marv Wolfman would do like a, do a, do a drawing, and they would just get like a top-notch guy like George Perez to ink it. So now you got Perez making your stuff look you know 100 times better than it was when you first put it on paper. So it's pretty cool. That is awesome. And um, I want you to know, Eduardo also did... One issue of one of our favorite series, All-Star Squadron. He did number 66, Mm -hmm. uh, The Origin of Tarantula. He drew it with Alan Kupberg, and he also inked it with Tony DeZunga. I liked how these writers in the 80s of uh, D.C., they could write and edit themselves. That's nice. There were editorial teams, but there was there was just that it, it was an issue of trust. Like say, for instance, with Marvel Wolfman and, and and Teen Titans or New Teen Titans, the book was so so successful, they just let him do his thing. And for the longest time, it worked. Even though there was a period of time where he was on the book for so long, even after you know it broke off into Baxter Run and the and the tales of the Teen Titans, he said after the book got so far and all these characters progressed to the point where they've matured so much he was just burned out not burned out but he didn't know what else to do with the characters and maybe he said he needed to step away for for a while and i'm paraphrasing that was um also in back issue number 33 because i know you're a real big titans fan you need to find back issue number 33 and they may even sell it on their website in pdf format and just read the pdf it is a great article i cannot stress enough to you you need to get that issue. I will. I'll check it out, man. Definitely. Cool. He did a crap ton of work for DC. 
talking about Barreto? Yeah, he sure did. Before he got sick, he, he was working on the uh, a newspaper comic, I think, Steve Canyon. But he's he's become ill, and I hope I'm wishing him well. I hope for a speedy recovery. He's he's just one of my, he's one of my favorites. He did the last seven issues of Atari Force. That's right, I said it. <laughs> you know that book lasted a lot longer than people thought it would. Sure did. How can you go wrong with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and, and um, Eduardo Barreto? Plus, Jerry Conway wrote the book. That's right. I was just going to say that. Don't forget about Conway. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. Dude, I want to get uh, a whole run. Because I think there was a miniseries first. I mean, just, just a front cover in Atari Force number one, dude. Was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it since, since childhood. So I don't know how it would sit with me today. But some, you know, once again, something like that nowadays, it wouldn't make it past three issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if it was part of the big two. <laughs> Depending on depending on the other um, the on the other labels like whether it be Boom or Dynamite, they probably just work it as like a, a series of four issue limited series. Um, right, probably be smart on there, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's uh. Well, you know, they didn't really cancel series as quick as, you know, a lot of them went to to at least you know like even we were talking earlier about uh, the champions. You know, that didn't sell for shit. <laughs> And that thing even went to 17 issues, and they fought everybody. That team fought everybody from Olympian gods to Sentinels. And uh, what was the Russian super team in Marvel Universe from the 70s? Had Crimson Dynamo, Kremlin, Titanium Man, Dark Star. They weren't like, not the Soviet Supreme. Uh, Soviet Super Soldiers, maybe? Yeah, Soviet, I think it's the Soviet Super Soldiers, yes, yes. They made an appearance. They fought them for a few issues, and then Dark Star actually joined the group. She defected. Awesome. Oh, and they fought the Griffin. That was one of my favorite Marvel villains. Remember when they bought the Griffin back in West Coast Avengers? Yes, I do. And you know, who, <laughs> and you know who penciled that issue and that cover? It was Al. Ab- yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if it was 1980s and it, <laughs> it was Marvel, nine out of ten times you just have to say Al, Al Milgram. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, you know, that's one thing I liked about Bendis is like the whole new Avengers thing. Like the, what is it, the hood? His whole gang there, man, it was all these these real shitty villains from the 70s. <laughs> like, you know, and, and you're just, you're being a comic fan you, from, you know, back then, you're like, no way. Say whatever you want about Bendis. I know I have. He does love what he's doing. Yeah, yes, he does. You know, and it shows. I also uh, remember, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I also remember... Not only did uh, you get uh, the return of the Griffin from that West Coast Avengers run with Al Milgram, but he also brought in villains like Master Pandemonium. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wasn't Master Pandemonium like a villain from the Shogun Warriors book? I don't even know. I think he I was. couldn't even tell you. I really That's, think he was. I'm serious. I'm still on Comic Book DB. I'll look him up. Okay. One of my favorite bad guys, though, from, uh, from the 80s was the one that John Byrne made in Alpha Flight, The Master. Oh, yeah, he had that cool helmet. That cool helmet yep. mask thingy, yes. And then, what was it, Busick who brought him back in the Avengers and he helped save the Earth when Kang's forces tried to take over the Earth? Like and, Kang and, and, the and Earth. didn't Kang have a big ship that looked like a sword and they called it Damocles? Yes. Dude, <laughs> that, that just came out uh, on tra- Trader Hardcover. Awesome Avengers story, man. I mean, they just pulled characters characters out of their ass for that story dude it was awesome they even brought uh, what was it oh from excalibur remember micro max or yeah. max micro or whatever yeah i think so yeah he even fought in that book and no first appearance i'm sorry first appearance west coast avengers 1985 number four. Oh, who master pandemonium yeah okay 
All right, good. I, I I thought I thought he was a Shogun Warriors villain. All right, and now Milgram probably did probably did that Shogun Warriors issue and just shadowed Herb Trimpey. So, uh, dude, Al was everywhere back then. You could not escape I, Al. Oh, sir. No, I, dude. <laughs> like I said before on a previous episode, I, I respect his work his work ethic. I do. I not, not, nothing. I have not, you know nothing bad about the guy. He just he just wasn't for me. He was not for me. But dude, there's a period of time he was in everything. And I remember as a kid buying those books because i loved the story so much i wanted to see what was going to happen it's just like well if i gotta sit through this art screw it <laughs> and, you know. I, I guarantee you it was just shitty because he was doing everything yeah i know <laughs> just like, i know it's like hey we didn't like this cover so-and-so did this is about to go to press in 15 minutes can you give me a cover all right boss you know yeah. or better yet yeah this dude just left this book and he took a, a job with dc can you finish up this book sure boss i'm like Say no, please. One Hell time. no. He was all about that money, money. <laughs> See, man, I'm 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 gonna get some I'm gonna get some hate from people one day. Somebody somebody's gonna come up to me at a con and be like, "Why are you talking bad about Al Milgram?" Al Milgram's gonna come up to you at a con, <laughs> and I'm telling him it's all love. I I he's, just he's I, gonna ninja kick you in the face, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's gonna have me hand me a Secret Wars two omnibus. Ugh. <laughs> I'd rather take the kick to the face. <laughs> I forgot who it was on the forum when we talked about that the last time, Secret Wars 2. Uh -huh. And I said, I said you should have been more disappointed in the story than the art. Someone liked I can't remember who it was, but someone liked it. Oh, no. And, no, um, and he goes, I guess I'm the only one. I said, no, I think Jim Shooter liked it. <laughs> no. See, <laughs> once again, in concept, it seemed, it seemed like a real good idea in, in concept. And... I did like the fact that, you know, the Beyonder just came to Earth and said, you know what? I'm just going to start messing with superheroes and just changing up stuff for them. And what if I gave Daredevil, you know, a vision? And what if I, but, you know, but that wasn't a separate issue, but. Came to, what if I came to Earth dressed like a white Michael Jackson? Oh, with the Jerry Curl mullet? And like, <laughs> and, and, the, and the white thriller jacket? <laughs> and the, he had a red one, too. Oh, yeah. And see, that was another part of the problem. And the, well, the whole other thing is, is that it focused on characters like Boom Boom. Molecule Man, and this was when this is when nobody really knew how to write Molecule Man, and he was yeah. he was essentially just a Mort character. So was, that wasn't didn't really uh, help Boom much. Boom's first appearance was in Secret Wars too, right? Um, I want to say yes because it was either that or X Factor, but I want to say she was in Secret Wars first, and then you saw her later in X Factor. I can't We're gonna look I can't that remember. up now while you're talking. But we it, can't let the listeners need to know in concept. In concept, good idea. The execution was just bad. For for me, if for, for me, it just like I said, it did not work. <laughs> I don't think it was just for for. I think it was everybody. I let her for her first appearance was in Secret Wars, Secret Wars Two, Number Five. Oh shit! There she is. I just found it. Yeah, I think I got that upstairs. There's no way I could let that go. That's gonna be a money maker someday. The kids are gonna go to college off of that. You you really need to stop. <laughs> What? You are living in a dream world, my friend. A dream world. Come on, she was member. Uh, she was a member of the Fallen Angels. Do you remember that team? Oh, there, it was a her, and it was a girl named Ariel and Bill, the Lobster Guy. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. And uh, Chance and Devil Dinosaur. See, I like Devil Dinosaur, but you not. Know, they don't mention Sunspot or or Warlock in here either. Huh? They were on in that. Marvel needs a, dev a devil dinosaur comic book right now. Yes. Because if I can't get a commandy book, give me a devil dinosaur book right now. 
Did you see um what was it uh, during World War Hulk Hulk the Heroes for Hire series? They had um it was uh who was it Colleen Wing? Oh no no, no you mean during Civil War? Civil War and it lasted all the way up to World War Hulk. Oh, okay, yeah, the team with Colleen uh, with a uh, Wing, Misty Knight, Black Cat, the dude that kind of looked like a cockroach, and uh, Shang Chi. Yep, and the Paladin. That's why I didn't buy the book. Awesome. You don't know what you're missing, dude, because you know what? what? They sent them to go to Monster Island to get Moon Boy away from Devil Dinosaur. You know who hired them? Who? S.H.I.E.L.D. What? (laughs) That's right. You want to know why? Why? I don't remember because it got canceled like right after that. (laughs) Dude, my loathing of of Paladin literally made me stay away from that book i think he's to me he's one of the worst character one of the worst characters in comic book history a knight without armor is a paladin <laughs> once again yet another reason why i refuse so i refuse to buy that book and i can't remember the character that had bugs crawling on him or whatever i can't remember his name i didn't know if his name was bug or not um but I think his name was Cockroach or Roach or something like that. I, I, I wasn't really feeling that character. Really cool team, though, if you think about it. You take away those two characters, it's a really cool team. But I just, those two characters they put in with the, with the rest yeah, but of them, didn't dig. Paladin wasn't in it that long. He, he would show up here and there. But, yeah, he was, a, he was in it here and there. Like, he'd be in it, and then him and Black Cat would fight, and she'd break his nose, and then you wouldn't see him anymore for a little while. Uh, here we go. Heroes for Hire. Oh, Orca was in that, too. Oh, my. Yes, 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 yes. That was good stuff. Say whatever you want. Because I think I have the whole run. 15. Mm-hmm. Yep, two trades. Ahead of the Curve in World War Hulk. Yeah, it was a weird, uh, a weird series, man. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.